I just just like a quick question. Okay. What if the circumstances that enslave you mm-hmm. are that you enslave other people? <laughs> There's no explaining that in this theory. Okay. Just so that was just a quick Right. Quick little question. I just, right. that's what made me giggle in case you guys were wondering, because that just occurred right. to me. Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. <laughs> pounds, pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the her in pachyderm. Yay. Which is the... Pachyderm. Phylum of elephant? Yeah. Because we're going to talk about the elephant in the room. Oh. Clever. <sighs> That's me. Clever Summer is my nickname. Summer um, Clever. Hey, it rhymes. White. Mm-hmm. Mine is joy, danger, Tembi. <laughs> right, so I'm Summer, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy. Okay, Joy, so I want you to know. <laughs> if you were tragically and suspiciously murdered while in basic training in the military, and... Which would be wrong. Right. <clears throat> Maybe just cut that out. I don't want to talk about and that. And I was a plucky up-and-coming lawyer... I would dig tirelessly to discover what role your evil commander played in covering up your murder, and I would cross-examine him on the stand so good that he would probably yell, you can't handle the truth at me. And then he would be put away for your tragic and suspicious murder. Ooh. I'm imagining it. I'm imagining a whole backstory. Can you see it? He thought that I was trading secrets with the enemy. Right. But really... You were bringing the whole squadron down. Squadron? Right. I don't know if that's the word. But really, I was just, like, getting a recipe from them. (laughs) Probably. I was like, hey, we're out of eggs. Can I come borrow some? Right. And he was like, eggs is... that's Code red, code code red. Code for secrets. Something. Yeah. (laughs) I would totally figure it all out. I would get it out of him. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Gaslight him so hard. (laughs) Gaslighting everywhere. <laughs> I feel like in war, uh-huh. gaslighting is a thing. Yeah, but not like in the, not not in the term sort of way. No, like gaslighting. Lighting gas happens on fire. I don't know how gas works at all. Actually, <laughs> you put it in your car. Come on, you nobody knows. No nobody knows, knows what it is. <laughs> You put it on your car, you put it in your car, and then your car just, like, eats it. <laughs> and takes you where you want to go. That's we all know <laughs> that's how it works. That's how I imagined it happening. <laughs> I know. Anyway, like, the other week when my gas tank cracked, I was like, what do you mean it cracked? I thought the car just ate it. <laughs> you hungry? <laughs> um, you are right, though. I am Joy. Danger, Tembi. Danger, Tembi. And I am here with my beautiful co-host, Summer. Mm. And Summer, 
I know you're going to take this as a compliment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Your life is like a drop in a bucket. (laughs) That is a compliment because it's biblical. Right. And true. And when we hear something like that, we should be like, (sighs) what a relief. That's awesome. Seriously. Because what have I really done? What have I done? I think my car eats gas. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I was a pluggy up and coming lawyer. (laughs) No. Right. No. Drop in a bucket. Drop in a bucket. That is a relief, actually, when you see yourself in light of scripture. That's good. A really great drop, though. (laughs) Thank you. Like a purple tinted drop? Am I special? Am I special Mm -hmm. drop in the bucket? Yeah. Oh. To me. Okay. (laughs) Great. Great. Well, (laughs) hey, you guys. So, I don't know how this is going to (sighs) go. Is this the episode to end all episodes? Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) This one and the next one. Okay, so we have touched, we've touched briefly, I mean, ever so briefly on this before. Right. Um, And some of our listeners, I know, are our listeners because they started being our listeners when we did four episodes on feminism. Mm -hmm. And can you believe it? That was in January of this year. And it is. Before you know it, it'll be a year ago. I know. I know. Drop in the bucket, Drop guys. Drop in the bucket. Seriously. Um, it has flown by so fast. Who knew that we could do this every week for a whole year and going? Anyway. <laughs> well, so, we'll see. After this, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. see what happens. <laughs> um, so we briefly touched on this back in January, and we felt that it would be helpful. I hope helpful. I've been praying that this would be helpful. <laughs> For the last couple of weeks since we decided we were going to talk about this again and not again because we have not gone there's we did not go near in depth right um on this topic when we talked about feminism and so in a way we are going to discuss intersectional feminism today but in a much more broader way we're going to talk about just intersectionality in general and the reason we're going to do that uh i would say is because it is creeping into the church. Maybe creeping isn't the right word. Maybe it's just walked right on in through the front doors of pragmatism and gotten comfortable. Yeah. Um, So I hope we're going to split this into two episodes. And the reason being is that it's such a big topic. And so today we're going to spend most of our time just discussing what is intersectionality? What is it? How can you recognize it? Um, and then next week, we're really going to talk about uh, why intersectionality is antithetical to the gospel right? and to um, just being a Christian in general and how adopting some of these frameworks, um, they're just unhealthy. Yeah. Uh, completely unhealthy. So you can't really... Did you have anything else you want to say about that? Okay. Mm-hmm. So you can't really, you cannot talk about intersectionality without first discussing something called critical theory. And stay with me. Um, we are going to try to make this as layman's termsy as possible. It is, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think it's appropriate to say, to discuss critical theory. Because first of all, this is, theory by it's a social theory yes um and that's where you get sort of strangely it becomes weirdly ambiguous 
because it has a lot to do with how a society thinks and how people think. Yes. Um, and it's not like a material right. idea. Right. It's completely right. immaterial. Right. So we're going to try and really be as comprehensive as possible. Right. But also, you know, this isn't a class. Like, I want you guys to understand what we're saying. Right. So um, <clears throat> critical theory is a theory that is neo-Marxist. And I will say briefly that um, I think that the phrase cultural Marxism can get bandied about a lot and people really disagree on whether or not cultural Marxism is really a thing. Some people will be really reductionary and just refer to postmodernism as cultural Marxism. And you can get into all kinds of um, trouble there. Uh, but essentially, you know, Marxism uh, was a theory of economies um, and production and the reason people often call kind of this postmodern mentality of of oppression and victimhood cultural Marxism is because Marxism does have to do kind of with two warring groups, um, one that has more power and one that doesn't have as much power uh, and what we should do about that. And so whatever, I, I, I'm not opposed to the phrase cultural Marxism. I don't think it's always a misnomer, but regardless of all of that and, and whether or not you have an opinion on that intersectionality was born from from something called critical theory which is a neo marxist line of thinking and it has a it has both a a narrow and a broad meaning in philosophy and so critical theory in the very narrow sense uh talks about several <clears throat> generations of german philosophers uh who were part of the marxist tradition and they're known as the Frankfurt School. You really can't look into intersectionality or, or neo-Marxism without hearing about the Frankfurt School. And they essentially came to Columbia in the 60s. And according to these people, um, a critical theory is different from a traditional theory uh, because it has a practical purpose. And the practical purpose is that it seeks to... Um, seeks to emancipate humans from slavery uh, through having a liberating influence. And it works to create a world which satisf satisfies the needs and powers of human beings. And the, the goal is to um, both explain and change any circumstance that might enslave human beings. Um, and so in the broader sense... Essentially, the connection is with social movements um, and different dominations of human beings and modern societies through this kind of understanding of the oppressed and the oppressor. Um, and so it, it just provides a basis for kind of social inquiry that the goal is to decrease anything that can be perceived as domination. And the, the goal is supposedly to increase freedom. So that would be like what a critical theory <laughs> she giggled. <laughs> I just just like a quick question. Okay. What if the circumstances that enslave you mm -hmm. are that you enslave other people? <laughs> There's no explaining that in this theory. <laughs> okay. Just so that was just a quick Right. 
quick little question. I just, right. that's what made me giggle in case you guys were wondering, because that just occurred right. to me. What if you're enslaved to your enslaving? Anyway, um, so any philosophical approach that whose aims are to release the oppressed from the oppressor is part of a critical theory. So this can include feminism, race, and some, like, just anything post-colonial, capitalism, all right. of these things. Right. So it has to, a critical theory has to explain what is wrong with a current social reality. So it has to say, okay, this is what's wrong with what's happening here. And then identify who is doing the wrong and then try to change that through social means. Right. I hope I haven't lost you guys. <laughs> I think that makes perfect sense. Okay. I think especially when you just say, <clears throat> sorry. Um, I think when you just say the point of it is to liberate people from circumstances that enslave them. Yes. Like that's all in one that, in that uh, it sh- tells you that someone is doing the enslaving Someone is there are being circumstances enslaved. that cause you to be enslaved. Right. Right. That's that's a good way. Hopefully this all makes some sense right. to you. And we're going to start. We'll get into like practical application. Right. You'll understand. Right. And so within critical theory, you have intersectionality, uh, which was ba- when it was brought into feminism, it was brought into feminism by this woman named Kimberly Crenshaw in 1989, mm-hmm. and she's normally credited with um, coining the term. And so basically intersectionality within critical theory is is the concept um, that describes oppressive institutions, racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, ableism, uh, classism, and that all of these things are interconnected and cannot be examined separately from one another. Right. Like, so the things, the circumstances that enslave you, they're not individual. It just means that you would add up. If you have multiple, if you fall into multiple marginalized groups, then your oppression kind of stacks. Right. And you just become more and more. Right. You have layers and layers of oppression. Right. And so the goal, I mean, I don't the stated goal because <laughs> right. I don't agree with what they would say their goal is right. and what the stated goal is, but their goal is for, you know, diversity and gender balance and uh, an intersectional feminism, particularly, you know, aiming towards like things being women friendly. Um, right. And so essentially, you know, if you start reading some of these scholars and these people who are proponents of the idea, they would, they would essentially say like, just because you're, a female or disabled or your person of color or don't we all have a color or have a certain body type you like it doesn't mean that your experiences are going to be the exact same experiences for other kinds of oppression so like if you're a female you might not understand the oppression of another female who is also uh Makes disabled you, or disabled right um and so, you know, part part of the, we'll dive more deeply into why this is such a problem, but they would tell you basically that if someone suggests that you are doing something racist or ableist, that, you know, don't react defensively because it's natural to be defensive, but, you know, maybe that from their perspective, 
you are a racist because they have experienced more oppression than you, or you are an ableist because they have experienced more oppression than you, or maybe you are a misogynist because from their perspective, you might be, and that's okay. Right. (laughs) And in a postmodern world, you know, your experience is truth. Yes. And so if someone else experiences you as a misogynist, then maybe you are because in their experience you are. Um, and so the to be intersectional is essentially to just to focus on many different categories of being marginalized, of, of having a marginalized identity and then be convinced that, that you are marginalized um, right. because of all of these things. Like it's not enough to just like be a woman or to be a feminist. Like you also have to subscribe to queer theory, trans equality. Right anti-ableism like you have to be all of these things and in order to truly like toe the line the one size fits all feminist right is not a viable option for feminists anymore Right. right you would need to um you would need to never say or think or do anything that would not take into consideration the circumstances of anyone else right um and if you do that's revealing your privilege right which is that you don't have to worry about you don't have these other layers you don't have right um i mean i have an example of that Mm -hmm. i have an example of that and i'll do it i'll take it on i think if you want to see a great example of intersectional theory uh, at play, go to the BLM website. Oh, yeah. Um, what was that? I don't know. Oh, my goodness. The men are yelling, doing their <laughs> disc throwing. They don't understand. They don't understand. Um, so the BLM website, if you, I was reading um, some of the, like, their statements, which is essentially, like, their statement of faith, which was that, um, you know, the move that website is owned by um, people who are saying like, if you're not, you know, you have to support queer theory to be on board with us. You have to support trans theories to be on board with us. You have to support like in order to support what we want, what we are trying to do, you have to support all of these other things. Yeah. Um, Which uh, I think uh, one of the major, major players um, is a lesbian and they are also into the the anti-ableism. So basically, like, if you you have to support, like, disabled people, which, like, who doesn't... I don't understand that. Like, are people right. out for disabled people? Anyway, um, it's just, like, that, that, to, that whole concept to me seems like virtue signaling. But anyway, um, and so a good... I'm just pointing to that website, the BLM website, as a great example of intersectional theory because... They specifically state there, like, in order to support us, you have to support all of these other things, too. You have to support queer theory. You have to right. support these other theories of other groups that are also right. marginalized. Well, and just so you know, support, supporting other groups of people, supporting other sections mm-hmm. does not remove your privilege. Right. You will still not understand Right. What they're going through. Right. But you should attempt to not say or do or think anything mm-hmm. that 
basically you should constantly be reassessing right your privilege and how it's making you act towards other groups of people right right exactly yes and so i think that that's the that's the basis of intersectionality and that's how you can see it out in play um i think in terms of like okay well who's supporting intersectionality how is this like affecting us um when i was reading up on the frankfurt school and and kind of how it got here from germany um it just makes me sad that we're essentially like adopting like these theories these these philosophers like fled from germany like a a system that we fought a war to bring down right. and they came over here and their their ideologies were you know protected and then spread and anyway well because well let's just say it like it it doesn't sound like a bad thing sure in some ways not mm-hmm. to not say things that are insensitive right to other people right or I mean, it's not a bad thing to not be a racist. Right. Those like, are good things. It's, Let's it's, not be racist. It's bad to be a racist. It's right. bad to be insensitive towards people's disabilities and circumstances. Right. It's. I don't think we should support queer theory, but that's no. another topic. No. <laughs> but I see what you're but saying. But we then, should care for the, quote, queer community. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't say hateful, right. horrible things to anyone. Right. Um, but the idea, so, you know, there we go. That's like a little nugget in there where, where it's very easy, like this argument's super easy to consume mm-hmm. on a very superficial level. Yes. But you get into some problems. You get into some major quickly. problems pretty quickly because it's not based, it's not grounded in, um, I mean, we as Christians would ultimately say, well, this isn't these, these, uh, divisive secular theories are not grounded in scripture. Therefore, uh, bad things are going to happen when you try to put them in play because right. they go against the God of, of scripture. And w- that's something that we plan on really deep diving into in our next episode. Yeah. But, you know, so one of the examples of, of, okay, so how has the Frankfurt school, like how did it spread? Well, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Saul Alinsky, but um, he was very popular in the sixties as a kid. He ran with Al Capone, which I thought was really interesting. So he's a literal gangster. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was essentially the mouthpiece for the Frankfurt school. And Hillary Clinton loved him so much that she wrote her senior thesis on him. And it was called, there is only the fight. And so it's important to note, I think, that the people who want to push these progressive ideals and they want to push intersectionality and, and these very critical theories, like they do view this as a fight. Um, right. If you read their own well, writings, like this is a fight. They want to convince the cult. They want to change the culture. And they are. And they are changing the culture. Um, I would argue that it's not just that they want to change the culture. I think that ultimately they want to destroy the culture. I think there's a hatred for Western culture built into critical theories. Um, Well, there's no real, I mean, hatred for Western culture is nail on the head. Right. (laughs) We have an incredibly individualistic Mm -hmm. culture. Yes. um, Which is good and bad for certain reasons. As we all know, we could talk about it, but we're not going to in this episode. Right. Um, but so the idea would be that you sort of neutralize the thoughts, words, and actions mm-hmm. of everyone mm-hmm. to protect. Mm-hmm. It's it's as as an act of restitution right. for the atrocities that have been committed against certain groups. Right. Right. Um, the only thing is that some people 
that fall into these marginalized groups mm-hmm. don't feel well represented mm-hmm. by intersectionality. Yes. Um, and there is more to know about a person than what gender, sexuality, race or ethnicity, yes. level of ability, yes. weight, right. they are. Yes. So when you're talking about circumstances that enslave people, mm-hmm. well, when it comes to representing a person mm-hmm. and attempting to understand them and potentially empathize with their oppression, mm-hmm. air, there's going to be a lot of air quotes that you can't see in this. <laughs> so you're just going to have to give us the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. <laughs> you... It's not something that you you cannot represent every single person's story, mm-hmm. yeah, with a group, right? Um, which I think just proves the point that it does it doesn't your your gender, your sexuality, your race or ethnicity, your level of ability, all those things. Identity politics not a, don't work, right? They're not a great way to discover your actual identity, right? And then. So first of all, not your identity, not a good way to express your identity. Right. And then a group of people trying to represent an identity that is full of different diverse people. Right. So it it sort of neutralizes the individual. Yes. And then it also neutralize, neutralizes uh, individual individuals that aren't a part of that marginalized group right through their thoughts actions and words right and we see it's easy for us i think a lot of it's easy for conservative christians to see the faultiness in this because um you know when we talk about uh homosexuality we would say well your sexuality doesn't define you right and we are quick to say that but i think we're not as quick to see it in other areas and so a good example of this kind of critical theory that I think is, is it says it's trying to free people, but it's actually enslaving people. And, and here's how is, is what happened in uh, Canada with <laughs> Jordan Peterson. Right. And so, you know, he kind of came out as this like rock star uh, guy that I hadn't heard of before all of this exploded, but essentially, you know, Canada was trying to create this law that would, essentially force you to recognize falsehood. <laughs> um, so the law was saying that the the law and this law has been put in place in New York and similar laws in Australia and in Europe. And this is, this is prop, cropping up everywhere. Yeah. Um, but the law set was saying, this is the law that he, um, he exposed and he, he was, he disagreed with. It was saying that biological sex, gender identity, gender expression and sexual sexual proclivity um, are not related. And so that is a technical claim of, of science um, of, and of people that we know is observably false. Right. And so Jordan Peterson is not a Christian, but he is, he's a psychologist and he's been philosophy and he's been studying people for years. And um, there, there's not one single study of these things that's ever been done uh, that's shown anything other than the correlation between sex and identity and expression and all these things is 0.99, which is like the closest you can get to like the definition of something not being in question. Right. We know these things correlate. Right. All of these things are incredibly tightly linked. But the claim in the Canadian legislation was that these things vary independently. And that's that's false. That's just it's it's scientifically false and that's not denying that that there's anyone on earth 
who experience a difference between their sex and their quote gender identity. We're not denying that those people exist. We're denying the claim um, that, that these things are, are they vary independently. And so essentially he was saying, the law was saying, well, you could be, you could be jailed or, or fined an incredible amount if you, quote misgendered a person so if a person right. wanted to be called z or them or she or right. whatever else that it would be against the law um to call them anything else and so essentially <laughs> not only are you asking people i don't understand how anybody can say this is about freedom or freeing people essentially what you're saying is you can well, it freeze the group of people that it represents supposedly so i'll get there but not according to everyone right and so So, that's the thing is is it doesn't it neutralizes and you know i was talking about like it neutralizes individuality it it neutralizes individuality for people that disagree with you right but it celebrates the individuality of the people right that are like in the camp right and so i mean we so we as christians can look at this law and say like no like we know that your your biological sex and your gender they are not they do not vary independently right <laughs> they are linked that's how right. god made you um but the neo-marxists and the intersectionalists and the postmodernists they want to tear this down they want to have laws written or rewritten rewritten that are not just anti-science they're anti-gospel they're anti-scripture feeling right and this legislation wasn't actually designed to protect people it was designed to protect an agenda because Peter Jordan Peterson was talking about how after he, you know, really came out as like the one who he was very adamantly against this. Um, he said that, you know, if he had 30 letters, somewhere around 30 letters written to him by transgendered people, and he said 28 or 29 of them were letting him know that they agreed with him, that they right. were against the legislation because they they felt they were like, these people don't speak for me. Right. Um, and they, I guess the majority feeling in these letters was like, well, we, we don't, this, this uh, focus on this legislation, we want to blend in and all of this focus is really making us stand out. That's not what we want. Right. Like we want to be treated like everybody else. We don't want special protections, like all right. of these things. And so it's like, this is an example of what you were talking about, that um, this is why identity politics don't work because essentially what happens to these people who are supposedly a part of this group right. that's being they protected. They don't feel represented. They don't feel represented. They it's don't want It's all about this. representation of marginalized groups. But if I don't feel represented, do you think they change the way they're representing you? Right. No. Right. No. Right. It's all like if you if you agree with identity politics, if you agree with intersectionality, you are going to stay the course. Right. You are not going to change the way that you're doing things because someone walks up to you and says... Well, I actually don't feel accurately represented by what you're saying because uh-huh. it's all about your agenda yes. going out into the world. Yes. It, it's not actually about representing people. No. It's about changing culture. Yes. Into what your group wants it to be. Right. And so this is, I was telling you the story, uh, Christina Hoff Summers tells the story and essentially the the basis of it, it's like the desire to like, have this special protected social status as like being the most oppressed group leads to just, I mean, just infinite numbers, infinite layers of victimization. And so Christina Hoff Summers tells this story 
about how she was at this uh, Women's Studies Association in the early 90s. And basically this group wanted to, quote, honor all identities. And the conference, you know, they had participants like break off into smaller groups based on what they felt their, quote, healing needs were from like the oppression. Okay. And so initially they divided into groups like the, the normal intersectional groups, race, ability, age. They, it was this was a women's conference, so they're already <clears throat> in a women's group. Right. Um, but they couldn't get along because they they eventually started the group started breaking into smaller groups. Yeah. Um, and so the example she gave was that there were black lesbians who had white partners and they were called out for their privilege because they had white partners. So then they had to make their own group that was less victimized. And so then all these like smaller, they all started warring with each other. And she said that women with allergies formed a caucus and issued a set of demands about how no one should be wearing dry cleaned clothing or hairspray. This is not about freedom. This is an example of how right. it's actually not about freedom. Right. Um, because and what, that's, it neutral, like they want you to neutralize. That's why I keep saying thoughts, words, actions, because mm-hmm. they, they they literally want you to do... They don't want you to do anything... <laughs> that might be perceived as right. offensive. Because if you don't have... And I know about this. I'm really allergic to perfume. It gives me migraines. Right. And so... But it has nothing to do... Like, people who wear cl- cologne and perfume, like, they don't have privilege. And they're not... <laughs> they're not... Um, they have the privilege of not being allergic to those things. Right. Um, right. But they're not attacking me... When they right. wear cologne and perfume, I'm not marginalized because of that. Exactly. And the focus of these critical theories, it has nothing to do with what you are responsible for. The focus is on what you think other people are responsible right. for doing for you or responsible for doing to you. Right. So it's if you're a part of a marginalized group, people shouldn't just change what they think and say and do. Mm-hmm because they're being nice they should change what they think and say and do as an act of restitution towards how you've been how you've been oppressed right because if you're marginalized in a way that they aren't Mm -hmm. then they have just the fact that they haven't been oppressed in that way Mm -hmm. is oppressive right so i can't even imagine like if i'm there and uh i'm the black lesbian with the white partner and I'm being called out for my privilege, but I really feel like I've been oppressed because this has been really hard for me. Right. But so then I've been put in a group where I've lost some of my privilege. Wait, no, I've been given some privilege that I don't think I feel I deserve because it's been hard to be an interracial couple. Right. Well, now privilege I'm, is not a positive thing. Right. So now I'm also I mean, I have allergies and this lady in my group, like she's wearing too much hairspray. So like. I just can't even, like, how are you supposed to feel in these moments right. when you are so oriented towards yourself right? in these moments? Like, how are you, I can't even imagine like the cluster that that would be. Well, and here's where they, they get, so they, the whole point is circumstances, mm-hmm. right? The mm-hmm. circumstances that would have you mm-hmm. uh, be marginalized. Mm-hmm. So, a part of it is that when you're allowed into this marginalized group, mm-hmm. you get to accept the narrative yes, historically or, uh, you know, of certain people in the group mm-hmm. in during mm-hmm. this, this time mm-hmm. um, you get to accept 
any so any historical narrative any statist current statistical narrative mm -hmm. and you get to adopt it as your own because mm -hmm. it, so okay so i found this article that said um we also find that bisexual women are far more likely to experience sexual violence than other women so bisexual women are far more likely to experience sexual violence is linked so you click on the link mm -hmm. and it takes you to a study done by the National Intimate Partner and Sexual Violence Survey where it says 0%. It doesn't even say the word bisexual. <laughs> okay. But so I'm I'm only so I I have to tell you that there's is no statistic like statistically this article did not prove to me that bisexual is it because they have a larger partner pool? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know what it is. Anyway, know. it's it's bad research. So I, I just couldn't move past that. I okay. needed to establish that. <laughs> but the reason I'm bringing that up is because what you could say, this is how far it goes. Y you could be a bisexual woman mm -hmm. who has never experienced sexual violence, mm -hmm. but because you have yes. a high likelihood of it, even though that statistic has not been proven, <laughs> if it were true. Right. You have a high more like you have a more oh my gosh my brain larger chance you have a better chance <laughs> of having it happen to you uh -huh. so that puts you in the same that puts you as the same level of oppression as the woman who has actually experienced <sighs> sexual violence against her right right because you're a part of the group right so you're at risk so you get to accept for the most the oppression. narrative of every of the whole group right. So then you add, you're adding to your, it's basically like a victimhood contest. Right. Like who can be the most marginalized. Right. Um, and I, I just want to let you know that if you're ever talking, if you're bisexual, I, I, I mean, I, I'll tell, talk to you more about that. But um, <laughs> if you're bisexual and you tell someone and you haven't experienced sexual violence mm -hmm. and you tell someone who has, mm -hmm. oh, well, I'm bisexual. Therefore, therefore, you know, we as a group like, experience more. Right. Abuse. Well, and it's like, it's like, well, but you haven't actually individually experienced it, have you? Right. And they're like, well, no, but I'm a part of a group that does. Right. So I want to ask you, Summer, mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure I already know your answer. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. Is that the same thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, no, it's not. Is it's is, really not. Is the rape of a upper class woman different than a lower class woman uh no god would have them both put to death right the rapist not the victim right. well so In intersectionality <laughs> would say that it is different right because the lower class woman has had is more marginalized right and i would think a lot of intersectionality assumes that a lot like the more oppressed you are like that's why these things happen to you right so like you were probably abused because of your status and your station right. like that it makes that large assumption which i haven't seen anybody ever prove right um because i'm pretty sure sin affects every race gender ethnicity every right. everyone everywhere right um, now we're not we're not saying that the class that you're born into mm -hmm. doesn't affect oh right 
of course it does. your life yeah of course it does the culture that you're born into affects, affects your, your life. life the gender that you're born into affects your life, affects your life. it all yes. affects your life but that yes. is just a, a part of your life it is it's not a part your identity of who you are it is right. not your identity you are not defined but you should not be defined by your your gender the color of your skin all of these things now that's right. not to say we don't have obviously we believe that our gender defines our roles for us right um and i think in a biblical way that's actually a very praiseworthy and great thing um but all your station in life all of these things they don't define who you are right um do they define some of this like obviously i was born in this time i was not born in 1870 so i don't dress like i'm from 1870 like i get all of these things um but the concept essentially and what i would like to say is like if you i just don't trust the activist virtue signaling within postmodernism because they claim that one person can speak for an entire group and that right. this is the experience of the entire group and i just don't i don't buy that because right. what ends up happening is you create this intense philosophy of resentment and group identity and you know the <laughs> We're already desperately short on people who can think independently and think critically and think for themselves. Right. (laughs) Think think critically. Mm -hmm. Um, But essentially, and we'll go into this more in the next episode, but you give people nothing. You give you give them nothing when you orient them towards. Well, the identity. So the 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 facade is that. You, you're, we're celebrating your identity in your gender, sexuality, race and ethnicity, level of ability, age, blah, blah, blah. But actually, your identity is found in the group. Right. Right. It's not about those things. Right. It's about right. intersectionality. Right. That's your identity. Right. I am intersectional. Yes. And so what... what uh, and this is the thing is like, so so now all of this, this kind of belief of like identity politics and, and all of these, these false idols that define you because that's what they are. Uh, these things are false idols. If you idolize your gender, if you idolize your skin color, if you idolize your ableism, if you idolize any of these things like that, that's exactly what you're doing when you find your gender in something, or I'm sorry, find your gender, when you find your identity in something other than Christ, it's your idol. Um, And so that's what we teach kids to do in colleges anymore. And so what I find so interesting, and I just love this little factoid and I have to sneak it in. Mm -hmm. Um, is so essentially what we tell people to do is like the protest and change right comes through like holding cardboard signs right and it's all these like smart little slogans well jordan peterson was talking about how he was studying or someone he was reading was studying the etymology of the word slogan and it's welsh and it's a combination of two different words and it literally means the battle cry of the dead (laughs) the two words that created the word slogan battle cry of the dead um, and so if you're thinking in terms of slogans, these just these I mean, and, and look around at, at our culture. And I think social media has obviously created quite a vehicle for slogans. Right. Um, but thinking in terms of a slogan makes you a puppet for the dead. Um, you're literally it's and it is it's dead. It's meaningless. These these hashtags like she persists and all these things and and all these right. phrases get thrown out and, and they are meaningless. White privilege, right. white guilt. You know, all of these things, like, what do they actually mean? Where do they actually come from? Have these things really been thought through? What do they have to do with scripture? 
but I think increasingly we're all willing to think in terms of slogans. Right. And um, Cause they're very, like I said before, on a superficial level, mm-hmm. they're very digestible. Right. She persisted. Ooh. Oh yeah. I personally we all want to be a warrior. We've all I've had times <laughs> in my life where I have persisted, <laughs> right. where things got hard and I kept going. You right. Know? right. But that's actually not it's a it's a slogan for a larger idea. Yes. Yes. Like um, what does that mean? Why are you holding a sign? What does your sign mean? Right. We saw it when I went to the women's march. I'm asking yeah. women about their signs. They couldn't tell me. Right. This lady had a sign. Bless her heart. She's the nicest lady. And I, I just, I, I wanted to be, I was so kind to her because I could see, I, I just felt like she was hurting. Like right. she had a sign and she said, I have 99 problems and the patriarchy is all of them or something right. like that. So then this is a slogan. It's a slogan. The whole patriarchy thing is a slogan. Women's studies is a sham. There's zero peer reviewed. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. Right. Anyway. So I asked her, I said, okay, well, who is the patriarchy and where are they? And she just stared at me. She didn't have an answer, but she has been, it has been regurgitated so many times that the patriarchy is doing this and we're going to blame the patriarchy. And and, and then I asked someone who's literally standing outside holding a sign saying the patriarchy is all of her problems. And I asked her what the patriarchy is and she couldn't tell me. Well, and isn't that the point though? And it's, it's 99 problems. The point it's about having problems. Right. Um, it is about, mm-hmm. like, can we just admit, mm-hmm. I'm not even being, I'm not even talking about those other people out there. Okay. Can Summer and Joy uh-huh. just admit yes. how much we love feeling the victim? Oh, yeah. And allowing it, like using it to uh-huh. rationalize doing what we want oh, to do. Oh, I can do it all the time. All of my all of my discontentment, I can tell you that it stem. I can give you twenty nine reasons why it stems from. I've probably done it today. Someone else, someone else did this. Right. Someone else did this to me. That's why I can't be content right. today. And so we have to. You have to uh, be able to admit, especially, especially with certain types of legitimate uh, oppression. Mm-hmm. Oppression's not really even the word I'm looking for. <laughs> But if you have been like, it's very easy mm-hmm. if someone has, if you uh, have experienced racism, if you have experienced sexual assault, mm-hmm. when you've legitimately been sinned against, mm-hmm. it's very easy mm-hmm. to take that right and allow it to define to you? define who you are. And we have this like sick obsession to be the source of your problems. Yeah, of shame, mm-hmm. and then. I think our obsession comes from if we have this little thing in our pocket, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, but this is why I'm doing it. Right. This is why I'm doing yeah. this thing. Uh-huh. And it's because it has shaped who I am. And it was so horrible right. that it is making me do this, this, and this. Right. And the thing is, mm-hmm. all those statements mm-hmm. are at face level all right to say mm-hmm. it's okay to say this horrible thing mm-hmm. happened to me mm-hmm. that's not right that's unjust um right. that was sin done against me yes but before a holy god it doesn't really like there is not going to be sin in response right, to it there's not going to be a circumstance mm-hmm. in front of a holy god mm-hmm. that will have him say mm-hmm. oh i didn't realize that's why you did that right so th- there is n- there's nothing mm-hmm. 
there's we do not get a free pass yeah just because something has happened to us and we've been legitimately right. sinned against there is a proper way mm-hmm. to handle sin mm-hmm. being done against you yes but joining a group of mm-hmm. people that is that glorifies victimhood mm-hmm. and that um calls other people out right for oppression right is not well it's not biblical and we'll dive into that in the next episode right i think another great example of a, I mean joy have you ever been sinned against by a man yes okay so would it be fair if i now gave all men a side eye right and and judge that they potentially are also just going to sin against me in a large way would that be fair no that makes sense no would it that's be bibl- unjust also it's that's unjust. sinning as well against right. your neighbor right just as you were sinned against right like it's it's it may not be giving a side eye may not be the same as like if you were in abuse in an abusive relationship but it's still it is still sin right um Right. And so I think that the big takeaway for me from just reading the own writings of people in critical theories and intersectionality and intersectional feminism is that the the stated goal is freedom and the end result is enslavement to bitterness and resentment, enslavement to your uh, your idol, your right. identity that's found in something that you're idolizing about yourself. Right. And you can't, you can't idolize your oppression. You can't idolize your victimhood. And I think all of us in small ways, we do this because we are selfish and our hearts are right. makers of idols. Of course. And I can absolutely think of times I have been sinned against and then I have just wanted to live in light of that. Right. And I have wanted to, I have not wanted to be forgiving and i right. have you know and i have allowed those sins uh, of others to define my very days my right. down to my hours right um and obviously that's not biblical like i said we'll talk about that next week uh but so i mean essentially i hope we've kind of given a good background into what intersectionality is right um and then and I hope we've laid like the groundwork to really talk about why this stuff is antithetical to the gospel um, next week. Right. And hopefully you guys don't think this is just nothing. Like I hope. So I've been saying this week, like everyone knows what intersectionality is. They just don't know it by that name. Yes. Yes. So hopefully when you're hearing us, talk about this you know maybe like intersectionality or critical theory threw you off yeah but you do know what we're talking about right. just from watching youtube or tv <laughs> yeah. or reading articles right um right i i think you probably do yeah yeah and and my thing is that i think that these theories they run around masking themselves as empathetic and compassionate um, when really they're not. These are. This is a theory that that just leads to uh, divisiveness and uh, lack of freedom. Right. And well, there, there's an assumption because every group is so broad brushed. Mm-hmm. There is an assumption mm-hmm. about you purely based on what or how many groups you fall into. Right. And isn't that funny? Like people, 
there there maybe like you and like one other person might be able to tell me every group I could fall into. Right. You know what I mean? Like you cannot look at a person and know, okay, well right. they they've been oppressed in this way they've been oppressed in this way they belong to this group you can't know that all you can do right. is make superficial judgments based on outward appearance right. and say well ugh, of course this white girl is which saying is actually that. what they're accusing certain groups of doing <laughs> right and that's right. what i mean like it neutralizes individuality yeah like you it's this group it's a mentality way people right oh yeah it's a very and simple it's way. a horrible way to yeah. actually know a person right um and to assume that they can't understand something that you're going through and they can't give you right. advice or empathy like that um that's not a good way it has no place to know to know mm -mm. people or mm -mm. love your neighbor mm -mm. because you really don't know mm -mm. um you you can't know what someone has been has through, been through right, right. without knowing them. Right. And if you say, well, like, oh, you're white. Or, you're oh, you're a, you're, cis, a dude. you're a cis male. What do you know about hardship? Right. What and do you, yeah. Like, how does that, if it's really about caring for people who feel marginalized. Mm -hmm. Like, please, somebody tell me if they know a white cis middle class male. Mm-hmm that doesn't have anything going on. Right. That doesn't feel mm -hmm. burdened or oppressed by something. <clears throat> sin. Um, Sin's the answer. <laughs> right. Like, it, it's not a, f it's not a good way. It's a really lazy way mm -hmm. to get to know people. Mm -hmm. And it further, mm -hmm. it furthers the cause of intersectionality. Yeah. Um, when you just broad brush everyone and assume that they are one way because they are this thing this they fit into this category right, this color or culture or level Supposedly. of ability or right yeah, it doesn't um there's no way it's you can know lying that is lying like you're lying you're saying you know things about people that you don't right um yep. and you also in turn you kind of um delegitimize other the people. circumstances mm -hmm. so you basically the only thing it does is it offers you the freedom to do whatever you want. Right. If you fit into category A, B, and C. Right. And another thing about just any kind of postmodern critical theory, intersectionality, all of these things is um, they're so based on the affirmation of others. Right. Uh, that's such a big thing is I need you to affirm me. I need you to affirm my value. I need you to affirm these things. And as Jordan Peterson says, like the giving trying to imbue someone else with meaning is like giving a thirsty person a cup of dust. Right. I cannot give you value. Um, I, I cannot give anyone else value. Your value uh, of, inf you, you are of infinite value because you are made in the image of God and anything I could give you would be dust compared to your need for water. Right. We don't, we don't affirm other people. Like you have to, in order for you to have value and worth that's meaningful and that's going to last, uh, you're going to have to have a relationship with God um, right. and, and recognize that uh, God is the one that gives value and gives worth. And so I just think it's really, it, it's interesting how much people want the affirmation of others. Um, but are you really giving someone else 
Are you really affirming someone else's value when you're reducing them to their skin color or their right. gender? And that's you like you're affirming the value of people that are on board. Yeah. Right. But nobody else. Right. But I guess that's fair because they're oppressed. I don't it doesn't make any sense. And so it's basic it's just all about like who has the worst life. Right. And we love that. We can we've established that we right. we all love that. Because you love to be oriented towards yourself ultimately. Yeah. Yep. I yeah, I'm not surprised at all Mm-mm. that people who mm-hmm. um aren't saved love it doing these eating it up it makes sense if you take god out of it i mean well not really let's not get into that i mean it doesn't make yeah (laughs) right but it is the best they can come up with yes in terms of forging meaning an identity and identity yeah it has to come from all of these other idols yeah but it's obviously very flawed right and um it doesn't work Mm -mm. for everyone Mm -mm. so this is the point where i really want to get into the specifics on how this is anti-gospel and how this is dangerous, but we're going to do that next week. Mm -hmm. So sorry guys. (laughs) Um, Hopefully you can kind of see for yourself how it's antithetical to the gospel and maybe we'll give a little homework. homework We say things and you're like, Oh yeah, I already thought that (laughs) I knew that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you know, this is like such an emotional this can be such an emotional topic. Um, And I hope that, you know, I mean, some people are just gonna be like, you guys are so dense. You're so stupid. You don't get it. And that's fine. You're so Uh, white. (laughs) Well, that's so white female. That's going to happen too. Yeah. That's going to happen. Yeah. But keep in mind, you don't really know summer (laughs) or myself. And that's not my privilege talking because I'm aware that many people have it way worse I'm, I can be completely ungrateful and I don't believe that I have privilege, but I think there are ways that I am privileged. Yeah. And I can acknowledge that I don't mm-hmm. have to go through the same things that other people do. Right. At the same time, you don't know what Summer and I have gone through. You don't right. know what we understand in terms of your intersectionality and we don't have to tell you. Right. <laughs> We're right. <laughs> you can assume if you want. You can assume if you want. And sure. we already are aware that that's going to happen. Sure. Um but you just don't you just don't know. Right. Right. So next week we'll bring in some uh, hopefully some good gospel truths to this conversation and how we can reframe the conversation, how we can love each other well. Um, what is freedom from slavery? What do these things look like? And uh, maybe we'll do a feminist of the week. I don't know. I don't know, you guys. All right. If you hate us, please don't go to patreon.com slash theologians. If we've been helpful to you today, please go to patreon.com slash theologians. Because who knows? Who knows what's going to happen after this? Right. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> uh, keep us on the air. I don't know. Six bucks a month? Actually, whatever. I would say... At least wait until you hear part two of intersectionality. Okay. And then you can do whatever you want. But I would ask, like, just for intellectual yeah, yeah. purposes. Sure. Before you, like, throw your hands up and you're like, I hate sheologians for everything yeah. they just said. Yeah, yeah. Um, just listen to our full yeah. thing on intersectionality. Right. So um, we'll see you next week. Yeah.